All right, Jabose, good morning. Let us, let us begin. Let's begin by, uh, by thanking our sponsors, our Tamato sponsors for the month of Nisan, Stephen Terry Zinn, for dedicating all the Shurim Joshua's this month in gratitude to Hashem, welcoming their first grandchild, Adinti Hachbaum, Benjamin and Elise Wolf, for thanking all those who make the Shurim available beyond the confines of the base measures, specifically Maishi Abramson. And Jeremy Lassen, Shimi and Bacheva Messing, in honor of the Bas Mitzvah of their daughter Lila, Paul and Kathy Pollock, in memory of Paul's parents, Shmuel Ben Zechariah, Leah Bas Avram, and his great grandmother, Cyril Bar Shabdov. Our week of learning sponsors, Ira and Miriam Grossman, gratitude to Hashem for, for providing the ability to return to Shul in person, to Daf in person, and to thanking those who made the Davening and Daf available throughout the last year. Well, so with that, let us begin. Today's Daf, a lot to do today. Today's Daf is your test. And we are picking up on Yud Ches Amud Beis, 18b. And we are picking up at Amar Rabbi Yos. Actually, I think a little bit before. Amar, Amar. We did the Komets, I believe, correct? We did the Komets. Right, so let's pick up Amar Rabbi Fine. So Amar Rabbi a little, a little bit in the middle over there. So that's... Uh, Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, about sixteen lines up from the bottom. So what we're speaking about again, if one is misnadif, if one goes ahead and pledges the amount of Lavona, so they are obligated to go ahead and give over a comet of Lavona. So of Ilo, so now the Shaila is, how do you measure the Kmitza? How is the Kmitza measured? Remember, because Kmitza itself is a subjective measure. So the Gemara says over here that Rabbi Yosef says, qualifying Rabbi Ila's statement, that the Kamitsa is measured by the Kamitsa of the coin. Then I will say that it's actually very interesting because if you notice over here, if, if, I'm sure you picked up already, one of the very confusing parts of Yerushalmi are the constant changes in the text of the Gemara. You have, again, different Mepharshim editing the text in a different way, which means, so if you notice, again, on the page over here, it says, Bekumso shall coin Godel. If you take a look at the Karban Ha'ida on the right side, it's almost right across the Karban Ha'ida, he writes, Hachi Garcina Misnadi Levona Mevia Bekumso shall coin Godel, Vahachi Perusho, Midiyalif la Milechem Haponim, Obefayis, so the Kabbana Eidah says, it doesn't mean that you have to use the Kamitsa of the Kohen Gadol, but rather what it does mean is that when you go ahead and you pledge, a, this is very interesting, you pledge, you pledge Levona, you have to give the amount of the Kamitsa of the largest Kohen on call that day. So I see you look at the, you look at the guy with the largest hand that day, and it's that amount, that kamitsa, that is used to go ahead and size your donation. Pretty incredible. So the, the, the Tiklin Chadatin says it a little bit differently, but again, I, we don't have to, we don't have to, he says over here, if you look in the Tiklin Chadatin, it's all the way on the left hand side, bottom left of the page. So it's interesting. According to the Karban Ha'ida, what Rabbi Yosa is saying is that you have to go ahead, Rabbi Yosa, yeah, what Rabbi Yosa is saying is you have to go ahead and measure it in accordance with the Kamitsa of the largest coin on call that day. According to the Tiklin Chadatin, it doesn't have to be the largest coin, it's just any coin. But again, both of the opinions will agree that your Kamitsa is measured in accordance with the size of the Kamitsa of the coin. So the Gemara says, the Gemara goes right to the Gemara says, Rabbi Chizkiya b'shem Rabbi Yirmiya v'afilu b'kamitz ha'baylim. Rabbi Chizkiya saying Rabbi Yirmiya, no, it doesn't have to be in accordance with the kamitzah of the Kohanim, but rather it could even be in accordance with the kamitzah of the Baylim. And ultimately, again, the once again the Karban Ha'ida says, Fine. So, so here's what everyone agrees with. 
Everyone agrees that if you pledge a if you pledge Lavona, the amount of Lavona you are obligated to give, or the value of Lavona you are obligated to give, is a Kamitsa's worth. How is that Kamitsa measured? Machlokas. Is it the Kamitsa of the coin? Is it the Kamitsa of the Bailim, of the individual making the making the nether? Machlokas. Zov. So also remember again, the Mishnah said that if you pledged Zov to the Beis HaMikdash, lo yifchos mi dinar, you have to give at least a dinar coin. Am Rabbi Lazar, for That's assuming that you said, I pledge a coin of gold. So you say, so if you pledge a coin of gold, then you're locked into the minimum definition of coinage. The minimum definition of coinage is a dinar. Aval, imlo hiskirtsura, but if Allah Chalamai say you made no mention of coin, of coinage, maybe I feel then you can bring even a golden fork. So you know it's a golden fork. So the carbon either says, what's a golden fork? So he says, over here, mazleg katan. It's a small fork. But also the idea being that it's the smallest type of utensil which would be used in the Beis HaMikdash. So interestingly enough, if you pledge a gold coin, then you have to give a dinar. If you just pledge unqualified gold, then halacha lamaisa, all you have to give is even the smallest unit of gold, even a small gold fork. Interesting. Shisha linadavas. Remember again, after the Mishnah went through, Mishnah told me there are 13 <coughs> collection boxes. The Mishnah names the first seven of them and then tells you that the remaining six refer to Dava. General donation. General donation. Says the Gemara, why Shisha linadava? So the Gemara says, Rebchiskia Amar Keneget Shisha Bate Avos. Corresponding to the six Kohanic families. Now, once again, I remember again, there were 24 Mishmoros, 24 watches of Kohanim. Each, each Mishmar served in the Beis Hamikdash for one week at a time. So, on average, a Mishmar served, right? And Mishmar was a grouping of Kohanic families. A Mishmar served in the Beis Hamikdash for, for one day at a time. Each, each Mishmar was divided up into Bate Avos, right? Was divided up into smaller subgroups, we'll call it families. Families, each base of served in the base Hamikdash for one day out of the week, out of that Mishmar. On Shabbos, everyone served together. So the Gemara suggests that the six donation boxes correspond to the six Bateyavos. Barpadya says that the six, the six donation boxes correspond ultimately to the six type of animals which are offered up. Par, Egel, Sawyer, Ayel, Gedi, Tala. Right? A cow, a calf, a sheep, a ram, a kid, a lamb. Shmuel, Omer, Kineget, Shisha, Karbanos. Shmuel says the corresponds to the six categories of Karbanos. Kine Zavim, Kine Zavos, Kine Yoldos. Those are all the bird offerings for Zavim, Zavos, Yoldos. Chatos, Ashamos, Hamenochos, Amincho, Asiris, Haifa. And we'll say Asiris, if you remember again, is the unique Mincho offering. For the Kohen Gadol. Amen Rabbi Yochanan. Ayideh Shainadava Meruba Ribuy La Shofro Sabe. It was this is great. Everyone's trying to figure out the symbolism of the six, the six Nedava Shofros, the six Nedava. So again, Bate Avos, or six types of Karbanos, or six types of animals. Rabbi Yochanan said, you know why there are six? Because there were a lot of donations that were made. A lot of donations that were made. So you needed six in order to be able to accommodate all of the nations. I will say, it's such a profound episode. You know, sometimes in life, it's good to look for deeper meanings in things. And sometimes, it's good just to take things as they are. Sometimes there's not a deeper meaning to things. Sometimes there's just six donation boxes because that's the number of boxes you need in order to accommodate the number of boxes, in order to accommodate the volume of donations. And I will say, an incredible episode also in human relationships because sometimes people say something, person will say something to you, and you ask yourself, well, what do they mean? What do they mean? And sometimes all a person meant was what they said. Not everything has a deeper, deeper metaphorical meaning, and you don't have to read into every single statement. And not everything has to be interpreted in some type of relationship context that you're really alluding to this, to that. Sometimes things just are what they are. Sometimes there are just six donation boxes because that's the number of donation boxes you need in order to accommodate the flow of donations. An incredible Yisur. Ksiv, uchechal osam, avilif ne'amelech, v'yoyo. That's what I'll say here, the Gemara is quoting the Pasuk from Divrei Hayomim. This is talking about the, the restoration of the Beis HaMikdash under King Yehoash. So under King Yehoash, the, the Beis HaMikdash was decimated. 
and pretty like like it wasn't destroyed, but it was just internally decimated by his mother, Asalia, who was uh, who was a very uh, very evil woman. So he went. Yash goes ahead and essentially does a major capital campaign in order to go ahead and renovate and restore the base Hamikdash. So the passage they're quoting over here is Ukechalo Sam. As then when they finished, so when they finished collecting the money, they brought the monies before the king. Yada and the the coin gadol. I'm just reading to the rest of the pasuk. So I will say they went ahead and they made utensils, clay sharis, service utensils, service utensils. Okay, so now follow us for just a moment. So they made two collection boxes. In the days of Yehoash, two collection boxes. Shnei Nedavos also top of Yudas. Tani Diberi Bishmol Nedava Acha. So I'll say, interestingly enough, if you take a look, um, fine. If, if you take a quick look at the Carbon Haeda, at the Carbon Haeda, um, he says over here, Ksevo Chalosam Shtein Nedavos also Tebe Melachim Ksevo Yikach Yoyada Hakohen Aron Echad. So we'll say, what the Yomar is quoting over here is as follows. We have two different psukim. We have a pasuk in Malachim, which actually recalls, you know, when this collection happened. And we have a pasuk in Devei Hayamim, which also recounts the collection. Now there is a discrepancy. The discrepancy is that the Pasuk in Malachim, when it says that they created a collection box, the Pasuk says they put it by the Mizbeach, by the altar. In Divrei Hayomim, it says, sounds like they put it outside of the Beis Hamikdash. So therefore the Gemara says, Rabbi, Rabbi Yonasan says, it's not a contradiction. Rather, how do you reconcile it? Shtein Davos Asa. Yehoash must have made, they made two collection boxes. One was by the Mizbeach. One was outside of the base of Mikdash. That's all. Top of your test. Time to be shmal. Nedava achos. No, not true. There was only one collection box. Dixiv. Vayomra hamelech. Vayasu. Aron echod. Vayitneyu behechal Hashem. Vayikov charbedato. So Rabbi Yishol says you can't say that because the Pasik explicitly says that they made one collection box and they placed it in the house of Hashem. Literally, they made a hole in the opening in order to allow people to deposit money. But I will say, the problem is, what do you do with the other Pasuk? And the other Pasuk says that Allah Kalamai said they, there was another collection box and it was stationed outside. So I will say, this is actually very interesting. Why did they do that? They did it in If you take a look at the Carbon Ha'ida, on top, he said, the Olam Nedava Achas Haisa. There was really only one collection box. So listen to this. So two ways of reconciling the Psukim. Remember again, just keep in mind the contradiction. One hand, Malachim says they placed the collection box by the Mizbeach. They placed it outside of the Beis HaMikdash. So first approach, not a contradiction. Two collection boxes. Second approach, there was one collection box. The Kohen Gadol put the collection box where? By the Mizbeach. And the king said, here's the problem. If you keep the collection box by the Mizbeach, only those who are ritually pure could access it. Instead, the king said, move the collection box outside of the Mizbeach and ultimately, again, put it by the entranceway of the Beis HaMikdash. So I will say, first of all, what an incredible, right? What, what's, what, what, what was the king saying? The king was saying is, you have to make sure to create opportunities for spiritual development and spiritual growth for all Jews. You can, we're not an elitist religion. You can't have the restoration and rededication of the Beis HaMikdash limited to, the, in this case, the spiritually elite, the spiritually pure. You have to put the Nidabah, you have to put the collection box outside so that even the Tneim, even those who are ritually pure have the ability to access it. An incredible Yisrael, I will say, about our approach to Yiddishkeit. We are not an ivory tower religion. We're not a purist religion. We don't believe that the Rebbein Sha'olam and Torah and anything else is only accessible to those who, quote-unquote, deserve it, who have earned it. The goal is to make it as accessible as possible, so that no matter how tummy I may be, at the end of the day, I have the ability to connect. Such an incredible Yisrael. So the Gemara goes like that. 
This is actually now a, a, a little bit of a different discussion. If you take a look at, once again at the carbon Ha'eda, it's all on the top of the page. Mamish, the top, top, second line down. It's possible, the other possibility is that there are actually two collection boxes. It's very interesting. In Malachim, in Malachim, it says that they did not use any of the money collected for clay sharis, for service utensils, for instruments, that every, really for instruments, everything, everything was used for actual, what we'll call actual bedekabayis. Actual physical repair of the base Hamikdash. He, but however, he says, the Yomar then kind of ends off by saying, no, no, it must have been two collection boxes. Why? Because then we have another contradiction. One Pasik says that they did not go ahead and use the money for instruments or kleisharis. A second Pasik says they used the money for Kleisharis. After they finished up the Bedakabais the restoration of the home of the base of Mikdash, they used money for Kleisharis. So how do you reconcile it? It must have been two collection boxes. Therefore, I will say it appears, it appears that the Gemara kind of ends off with the approach that in the days of Yehoash, they had two collection boxes, one by the Mizbeach, and ultimately again one outside of the base Hamikdash originally again made in order to provide opportunity to give even to the Tmeim, and it seems to be utilized for two different purposes. The internal box used for Mamish Bedek Habayis, restoration of the Beis Hamikdash, external box, whatever was left over after Bedek Habayis, ultimately used for Kleishari service utensils, as well as for instruments. Incredible. But I will say, nevertheless, the Musr, the Musr of making sure that the Nadawa, the collection box, that Torah, that Ruchni is the connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is accessible and experienceable by all. It's an incredible lesson. Hadjun Allah, Perek Yud Gimel Shofra. So we'll say Mazel Tov. Now we come to a fascinating sugya. Mishnah. Mo'o Shinim Tzu'u. So we'll say now we have an interesting case. So remember again, you have all of these 13 collection boxes. Now, we have not, we have not yet explained how those collection boxes are situated, but we'll get to that in just a little bit, or how they're arranged, I should say. But we'll say, listen to the following case. Let's say you find, you find a coin in between two collection boxes, in between two shofros. So we'll say, so what do you do? Right? Some, somebody, uh, somebody came to the base of Mikdash. Maybe there are a couple of too many Lachans before they came to the base of Mikdash. Right? They missed the shofar. It could happen. Right? And now you have a coin on the ground. So I, what do I know? What do I know? I know that it belongs in one of those boxes. What don't I know necessarily? Which box? So how, how do I deal with that? So we'll say this is fascinating. Motion to Ben Ashkalim. So if you, I'm sorry, motion into Ben Ashkalim Linedava. So we'll say the first case the Mishnah brings up is let's say you go ahead and you find, you find a coin in between the shofar marked Shkalim, which I will say, remember again, we saw there were actually two marked Shkalim, right? Remember again, there was one and two. One and two were marked Tiklin Chadatin, Tiklin Atikin. New Shkalim, old Shkalim. So you find a coin in between the one marked Shkalim and the one marked Nedava. One marked Nedava. So I'll say, Sanu, so what, now what do you do with the coin? So the Gemara says, this is actually fascinating. So the Mishnah says, I'm sorry. So Karol Vashkalim, Yiplu Vashkalim, Linedavi Yiplu Nedava. So I'll say the first way we establish where the coin belongs is proximity. Proximity. Whichever collection box it is closer to, that's the one we assume it belongs to. So it's closer to, closer to Shkalim, goes to Shkalim. Closer to Nedava, goes to Nedava. Good, that's easy. I mechza mechza. Oh, so what happens if mamish the coin is equidistant between the two collection boxes? Yiplu linedava. Then I will say you put it in the nedava collection box. Now, how is that decided? So take a look. Take a look. I will say we're going to be a little bit over the all over the page a little bit. Um, take a look. So many. Okay, take a look at the rivavon. You see, it's the parish on the right hand side. The Rivavan, which is really just on the Mishnayis. So the Rivavan says, Mosh, so he says, Mechza, Mechza, Dinadava, Chamura, Dekula, Ola. Rabos, remember again, what do you generally do with Nedava money? So Nedava money is offered up as an Ola. As an Ola, right? That's used for Ketzam is Beach, 
for olos, for desserts in the Mizbeach. The Nedavah Chamura, the Kula Olav, Ashkalim, Shiarehen Kilei, Kiddush Yusayu, the Nisnin Lechoma Sa'ir Migdol says. Well, say, let's analyze this. Which is more Chamur, Nedava or Shkalim? So the answer is Nedava, because what do you do with Nedava? Nedava is used for olos, right? Olos are totally consumed on the Mizbeach. This is the dessert for the Mizbeach. Shkalim, the leftover amounts, are often used for go-ahead and steady repairs. So we'll say what the Mishnah is essentially saying is, when, you're, when it's mechza mechza, you put it in whichever collection box is more chamer. Whichever one has a more stringent status, which makes sense when you have a suffix, when you have a suffix, you go to chumrah. So again, if, so when the coin is written in between two boxes, so the first way I resolve the doubt is through proximity. But if proximity can't be used because it's mechza mechza, put it in whichever box is quote unquote more chamer. Gemara gives other examples like this. So the Gemara says, what happens if it falls between the boxes of Eitzim and Levona? So what's that? If it's closer to Eitzim, put it in the Eitzim box. Close to Levona, also in the Levona box. What happens if it's mamish equidistant? Yiplu Levona. Ultimately, again, you put it in Levona. And again, look at the river Van again, Levona. Chamira, the Levona, he atzma kreva, aval eitzim he machshiri carbon. This is very interesting. So why is Levona more chamer than eitzim? Again, logically, the river says because Levona is actually offered up as a carbon versus eitzim, which is not the carbon itself, but rather what? But rather what? But rather again, the facilitator or the enabler for Karan. Well, so now I just want to point out something very interesting. If you remember again, I think it was last week, it was over Yamtiv, when we had the Sugis about Eitzim and the families that were Misnadev Eitzim. If you remember again, interesting from the Gemara there, they really do treat Eitzim like, like a carbon. It is, remember again, we saw the, we saw, I forgot the name of the family whose, whose Yamtiv for bringing Eitzim was on the 10th of Av. I remember again, we saw the, we saw the episode where that year Tisha was a nitcha. They only fasted half a day because it was mamish like a yamta for So again, it, but, but when compared to Lavona, which is an actual carbon, Eitzim will be more kal. Good. Ben Kinen goes the Ola. We'll see interesting one here. What about if the coin falls in between? Remember, Kinen and other bird pairs. Remember again, we have Machlokis and the Mishnah. Are these obligatory bird pairs? Donative bird pairs? The Gozle Ola, ultimately again for Olos, for bird Olos. So what's the halacha? Karov Lekinin, Yiplu Lekinin. Karov Lekozle Ola, Yiplu Lekozle Ola. So again, first, first metric to determine this is proximity. However, Mechza Lemechza, what happens if halacha Lemaise is equidistant between the two? Then Yiplu Lekozle Ola. Then ultimately again, you put it in the Gozle Ola, right? The bird Ola box. Take again one more look at the Rivavan. He says, Ben Kinen Lagozli Ola Yip Lagozli Ola, Staman Kirabanon, the Kine Chovahim, the Echali Ola, the Echal Lechatas, the Chatas Habasar, and the Echal Lekohanim, Umiyad, Shiesh Loshasat, Lekohanim, Inbo Mila. So we'll say, listen to this, Vaola, Kolchim Ritter. We'll see, remember again, we had a Machlokes by the Gozli Ola, Machlokes Rabbi Hudan Rabbanon, right? Are the Kinem, are the bird pairs being collected over here? Are for obligatory bird pairs, or are they only donative bird pairs? So again, the sort of one points out we pass like the Rabbanon. Therefore, even people who are obligated in bird pairs would deposit their money in the kine in the in the kinim and in, in the bird pairs uh, box. So we'll say what that means is one of those birds was offered up as a chatos, one of them was offered up as an ola. Chatos is consumed by the kohanim and not subject to me'ila. Therefore, again, the Rivavan points out that the gozle ola was more chamer because an ola is totally consumed on the mizbeach and no part of it goes to the kohen. So we'll say, so that, that's, that ends the section regarding the collection boxes. So we'll say, we'll see. There's, there's a simple klal. There's a simple guiding light principle which informs and guides all of these cases. So the Gemara says, Bein chulin la So we'll say now a little bit of a, of a change. What about between chulin and maizer sheni? So we'll say, so I remember again, there's a different case. This is, I have two piles of money in my house. Right, that piles of money. Right, so I, I, have, I have a pile of chulin and I have a pile of maizer sheni. And now I find a coin in between those two piles. So what's that lacho? Karov l'chulin yiplu l'chulin l'maiser sheni yiplu l'maiser sheni. So again, first we go ahead and decide based on proximity. 
based on proximity. So if it's closer to chulin chulin, closer to ma'aser sheni, ma'aser sheni, mechza lemechza. What happens if halacha lemaisa again? It's equidistant in between the two. So yiplu lemaisa sheni. So we'll say this case this is a little bit more intuitive, right? It goes to ma'aser sheni because obviously ma'aser sheni will be more chamer than chulin. Remember, ma'aser sheni you're also allowed to use. You just have to use it where. Where? In Yerushalayim. So we'll say here the Mishnah finally says, Zaklal, here's the rule. So we'll say, in general, the rule is when you have a doubt about where a particular item belongs, we go after proximity. And whether that yields a chumra or a kula, right? It doesn't, so sometimes again, proximity will be the kula, sometimes proximity will be the chumra. Doesn't make a difference. When you're in doubt, you go after proximity. However, mechza, mechza, whenever it is equidistant, you are always go the chumra. Good. So we'll say that's the klau. Says the Gimara. So the Gimara is intrigued about this. And now, remember, when we read these examples in the Mishnah, they don't really mean all that much to us because they're just giving different examples of coins which fall in between different collection boxes. The Gemara is bothered by this. Why do I say? Because the Gemara presupposes that the list of collection boxes mentioned beforehand in Halacha Dal, in the previous Mishnah, was a specific order and represented the order in which the boxes were arranged. So the Gemara says, I don't understand. So I will say, when you go back to the previous Mishnah, when you go back to the previous Mishnah, right? So the way the Mishnah reads is, there's Tiklin Chadatin, Tiklin Atikin, Kinin, right? So you have the Shkalim, New Shkalim, Old Shkalim, and Bird Pairs. So I will say, so yet when the Mishnah tries to illustrate an example of a coin that fell in between two boxes, it uses the coin of Shkalim to Nedava. And I will say, if you think about that, that's box one and box 13, so why would you use an example of a coin that falls in between boxes 1 and 13? Doesn't it make greater sense to use an example of a coin that falls between what? Boxes 1 and 2. So the Gemara says something amazing. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Pinchas, Because the boxes were not arranged in a line. They were arranged in a circle. It was a circular arrangement of the collection boxes. Ah, so now I understand. So now I'll say it makes sense that you give me an example of a coin that falls in between 1 and 13. Why? Why? They're right next to each other. Right? So I'll say, so again, you're the, the Mishnah. It, now, by the way, it's true the Mishnah could have illustrated also between 1 and, one and 2. It's, it's the same idea. But again, what the Mishnah is teaching by illustrating it through 1 and 13 what the Mishnah is highlighting to me is that the boxes are arranged in a circular fashion. So the Gemara says, Mechza lemechza. So remember again, in the case between Shkalem and Nedava, between Shkalem and Nedava, so Yiplu Nedava. So the Gemara says, I don't understand. Why is it, why is it that when the coin is in between Shkalem and Nedava, that it goes to Nedava? Shouldn't it go to Shkalem? To which the Gemara says, as if you take a look, I will say, if you take a look, um, okay, you know what, I'm just trying to figure out which, uh, which parish we should do. All right, you know, um, let's, let's just read the answer. So the Gemara says, shouldn't it go to Shkomer? So like, when you look at this, the assumption would be Nedava is often a catch-all for everything. So doesn't it make more sense that we would put that coin in Shkalim? So it's interesting that we already mentioned this in the Mishnah, in the Rivavan. No, because there is a special kula that exists by Machzah Shekel, which is leftover coins could ultimately even be used for public works, right? For repairing the walls. So they could be used even for totally non-sacrificial things. As opposed to Nidava, the Nidava fund, which is only used for sacrificial items. Therefore, it's quote-unquote more chamer. So what's the other possibility is that when the coin falls, that is the equivalent of if the potentially the owner died. We treat that as a case of the owner died. And we'll say, what's the case of where the owner died? I heard Rabbi Shmuel ask the following question of Shmuel. What happens if a person separated out their shekel, their machzah shekel, and they died? What do you do with that coin? So the Gemara says, Amrale, Yiplu Linidava. 
you go ahead and you will say you can't contribute a maxis. It makes sense. You can't contribute a maxis a shekel on behalf of someone who died. Why not? Maxis a shekel on its most basic level represents an ownership interest in communal offerings. Dead people don't have ownership interest in communal offerings. So Ultimately, again, what do you do with somebody's maxis a shekel if they died? You put it into the Nadal box. So you already see that Allah Chalamaisa, you could have a coin that has Machtis Shekel identity, but yet that is contributed ultimately to the Nadava fund. Therefore, the Gemara posits because of that and also because of the fact that the Machtis Shekel fund has a particular leniency in that leftover funds are used for city repairs. Halach Lamaisa, when it is Mechza Mechza, you put it in the Dava. Good. Asiris Saifa Shalom. So we'll say similarly again, this is actually this, this is still the same Raisa. Mosa Asiris Saifa Shalom. Rabbi Yochanan Omer Yolichim Niamamelach. Rabbi Yisrael Omer Yiplu Nadava. We'll say same idea. What happens if you have a coin Gadol and the coin Gadol had, had money set aside for his Asiris Saifa, right? For his personal Mincha and then he died. So what do you do with that? So one opinion says, Yolichim Niamamelach. You throw either the money or the actual carbon itself into the Amamelach. Rabbi Lazer Omer, Yiplu Linadava. Once again, you take the money or the actual items themselves and put it into Nadava. So the Gemara says, Vikashia, the Eshchatas Kreva Ola. The Gemara says, but can you go ahead and transform Echatos into an Ola? Now what is this referring to? If you take a look, in the Tiklin Chadatin, which I will say is on the bottom right-hand side of the page, if you look in the long lines, in the third line down into the long lines, the end of that line, the Kashya, Yesh Chata, so I will say the Gemara's, the Gemara's jumping here a little bit. Anibsa bein kinin, kinin legoz le'ola. So I will say we're jumping now to the case of the shek of the coin that's found in between the two boxes of kinin, bird pairs, and goes the other. So we'll say, remember again, remember again, let's, let's, let's define. The Kenan box, we're, go, we're going according to the Rabbanon who hold, what is that for? That's for obligatory bird offering. So for example, a Yoledes, a Zav, and a Zava, who's going to offer up a bird pair, right? One of those birds is a Chatos, one of those birds is an Ola. That's the case, that's the case of Kenan. Goes le Ola are donative bird offerings. Okay, now you have, you have a, you have a, a coin that, that's found in between both of them. So we'll see, now, what does the, the Gemara say? If you have, what does the Mishnah say? If you have proximity, fine. If you don't have proximity, which one do you put in? Remember, which one do you put in? Goes lay Ola. Goes lay Ola. Why? Because Ola is totally concerned with Mizbeach. In the, in the case of the king and the bird pairs, one is a chatos, one is an Ola. A chatos is a less chamer sacrificial offering. So the Gemara says, I don't understand. How can you go ahead and take a coin and put it in the Ola box when potentially, it goes the Ola, when potentially it was supposed to be in the Kinan box? Because essentially, what are you doing there? Now look at, now look at that Tiklin Chalatin. Animsa ben Kinan goes the Ola. Parach, Tiklin Masis, Yiplu goes the Ola. Vahabe Kinan, Have Echad Chatas. You have say, here's the problem. You take that coin, right? Let's analyze. This is a fascinating case. You take that coin, you find it in between two boxes. Kinan, bird pairs which again is for obligatory offerings, two birds, one echatas, one an ola, goes the ola, right? Bird pairs totally offered for, for, for ola. I find the coin directly in between the two. What's talach mechza mechza? Give it to ola. Give it to ola. But how do you do that? Because let's say one of, the, let's say that, let's say, let's say it turns out, right? That after may have asked him, you look, Hashbar who shows you, you know what? No, that coin really belonged in the kinen. In the Kenan, it really belonged there, which means there was a coin really for Chatas. And now you took a coin that was really for Chatas and you repurposed it as Ola. Are you allowed to repurpose a Chatas as an Ola? Are you allowed to repurpose a Chatas as an Ola? So the Gemara Kasha, Yesh Chatas Kreva Ola, Chizkiya Bishem Bishem Elakish, Tanai Bezdinhu, Ala Moser Shikrivu Olos. So we'll say, remember, we saw this before. There's a Tanai Bezdin, I will say, built in. To every single carbon is a fascinating, is a fascinating time, fascinating condition, which is that the base Hamikdash has the ability to repurpose and to switch the identity of the item until it is actually offered. It's an incredible tonight. I both say, so that, that's a, it's a built in tonight to sacrificial service. Bezdin, base Hamikdash has the ability to switch the identity of any sacrificial item until the time that ultimately, again, it is offered up. So if you find a coin that is mechza, mechza, in between Kinin and in between Gozle Ola, we go ahead and we put it into the Gozle Ola, and now Bezin has the ability to totally repurpose that coin for Olos. 
The Yimar says, that's fine, but but here's the problem. Here's the problem. This is incredible. What's the problem? The problem is that works fine from a sacrificial perspective. It doesn't work fine from what? From an atonement perspective. Because what that possibly means is there might, that, that coin might actually belong to a Yoledes. Right? To Yoledes. That's the example. Which means she has to bring carbonos for her kapara. She has to bring two birds. A chatas and an ola. You now took her coin. You put it in the gozle ola. Which is fine. I understand our procedure that that could happen. But the problem is now, what does she do about her kapara? She is missing a chatas and an ola. Well, at least a chatas for her kapara. So what happened now? Again, obviously, she's going to have no idea. She went home. She went home, right? She deposited her coin. She assumes everything is happening. There's the potential that someone did not get their kapara. So what did say? This is incredible. This is absolutely incredible. So this is incredible. There's a tonight based in There's an arrangement. What's the arrangement? If you supply birds to the base Hamikdash, if you get that contract, halavai, halavai, right? One of you should be zocha to get. I'm not a businessman, but one of you should be zocha to get that contract. So I'll say. So if you get that contract, so remember again, no one gets a contract with the base Hamikdash to go ahead and make money. We've, we've clearly seen, right? It's it's yad Hamikdash alal yoram. Base Hamikdash always gets the upper hand, financial hand. You get a contract with the base Hamikdash because it is a privilege to serve the base Hamikdash in some way. If you get the bird, if you land that lucrative bird contract, spiritually lucrative bird contract, we'll say what happens is every single time one of these situations comes up, you give extra birds. So in other words, any time a situation like this comes up where we have this suffix coin, so it's true. What is the base is going to do with the coin? The base is going to take the coin and put it in the Gosley Ola box. But then what they're going to do is they're going to call up their bird guy and they're going to say, listen, we have this suffix situation. We're going to need you to give us two more birds that we're going to offer up just to cover our bases. Therefore, the Isha, the woman, will have her kapara through the extra, through the extra carbonos that are going to be offered up. But the Beis does not incur a loss as a result of it. So we'll put the coin. This is fascinating. We'll put the coin in the Gozle Ola, but we will actually offer up additional birds as if the coin went into the Kenan pot. It's incredible. Incredible. I'll say, last piece over here in this, in this Gemara. Amra says as follows. Lo Tzurcha, see here, the Grot changes this. The Gemara says, Lo Gassina, lo, uh, see, he, he says, Lo I'm sorry, He says as follows. Lo Tzurcha, so the Gemara says, I'm sorry. So let's read that again. Um, what does the Grot change it to here? He changed it. I'm sorry. Ben Lavona. See, he's supposed to read it. Lo Tzurcha, Delo Ben Kitores Lavona, Lezov Lechapores, Vitanisa, Vitanisa, Besofa, Zaklal, Holchen Achar Akarov, Mechza Lemechza Rachmer. So I'll say, if you take a look at the Tiklin Chadatin, he says over here as follows. If you take a look at the last, oh, it's about uh, seven lines up. Ben Kinen, Ben Kinen, Vechilo Hayatzarch LeMisne Ben Nimsa Ben Kinen LeEitzim or Ben Levona LeZav DeChashem Asisin DeShofros Del. So I will say ultimately again the. Gemara just points out, why don't you add in additional cases? In other words, there are more cases than the ones that you mentioned. To which the Gemara says, we bring down certain cases for illustration purposes, but then obviously at a certain point, the, Gemara, the Mishnah just lists what? Just lists the klal, just lists the rule. And the rule is, Zaklal, Holchin Achar Akarov, Good. So we'll say, so again, this case must have come up in the base Hamikdash, I would assume, on a fairly frequent, on a fairly frequent basis. People miss the shofar or whatever, whatever happens. You could also have, yeah, people miss the shofar. Now we know, number one, proximity. In the absence of proximity, ultimately go ahead and give it to the one that is more machmir. Beautiful. So we'll say, once we're on this topic now, the Gemara brings other examples of this case. We'll say money that you find in front of animal salespeople, right? Animal merchants. Animal merchants. We'll say these are the people from whom you would purchase animals from. So we'll say the assumption is that money is always Meister Shinner. We'll now, obviously, we are talking about animal salespeople, animal merchants. Is that the right word? Animal merchants? Animal, animal brokers? Right? Animal merchants in Yerushalayim. 
in Yerushalayim. So you find money in front of animal merchants in Yerushalayim, you must assume that that is Meiser Sheni money. Why, Rabbi Because people would bring their money to Yerushalayim, Meiser Sheni money to Yerushalayim, and they would use it to buy food. So you find money in front of an animal merchant, you must assume that that is Maos Meiser Sheni. So the Gemara says, Harabayis Chulin. Interestingly enough, if you find money on Harabayis, you assume it's Chulin. And this is pretty amazing. First of all, because you're not allowed to bring money onto Harabais, right? And I will say, in other words, individuals are not allowed to bring money onto Harabais. You don't bring your wallet, you don't bring your walking staff, and you don't bring your shoes onto Harabais, right? I will say, so which is an incredible, incredible use. So the, there, now, is there money in Harabais? Of course there's money in Harabais. Where's the money in Harabais? There's a temple treasury, right? You see, there's a lishka. But interestingly enough, the Gemara therefore says, any money you find on Harabais, you assume is chulin. We'll see, we'll see why that is. Throughout the rest of the year, chulin. Money you stand fine in the street, you assume is chulin. At the time of the regalim, you assume that all money you find in Yerushalayim is Maiser Shani, which makes sense. Why? Because Rabbi say the Pashtos, very often people, you don't, you don't necessarily run to Yerushalayim with your Maiser money as soon as you have it. You're going to be going to Yerushalayim a minimum of three times a year anyway. Right? You're going to be going with your Mishpacha, Miraz Hashem, and you're going to be there for Yom Tiv. So the Pashtos, many people just took their Maiser Shani money with them on the regalim. So in general, money you find in Yerushalayim throughout the year will be but money you find in Yerushalayim during the Regalim will be Maiser Shani. Incredible. Basr Shanim Tzabazara. So I'll say, listen to this. What about, what, what if you find meat? What if you find meat in the Azar, in the courtyard of the Beis Hamikdash? So what's the status of the meat? Evarim Olos. If you find limbs, you, if, if you find limbs, you assume that it's Olos. You assume it's Olos. Chatichos, if you find slices of meat, you assume it's a Chatos. Now I'll say, now why that distinction? Very simple. Olos, an Olos not consumed. Therefore, it was just burnt. It was burnt in the foot, intact in a limb. Chatos was consumed. So because it was consumed, what did the Kohanim do? They sliced the meat. See, I will say, slicing meat takes time. The only time a person is going to invest the time in slicing meat is when? Is when? When you're going to eat it. I will say, which is an incredible musr. Only invest time in things that you are going to benefit from. If there is no benefit in something, do not invest the time. No one invests time in slicing ola meat. Why not? Why not? It's getting burnt on the Mizbeach. It's getting burnt on the Mizbeach. I chatos, you're going to eat? Invest, I will say, how many times in life do we invest time in things that are totally not fruitful? Do how many times do we invest? How many times do we invest time in things that are not going to yield any payros? It's not beneficial. It's not going to get me anywhere. It's not going to give me anything. It's not going to advance my life agenda. We spend our lives slicing olos. And for what? And for what? Because it feels good. It looks good. It makes it nice. It makes it pretty. That's fantastic. And what do you have to show for your investment of time? Chas shalom, absolutely nothing. Only invest the time in the things that are truly fruitful, truly necessary, and truly meaningful. So the Gemara goes like, Yerushalayim, what happens if you find meat in Yerushalayim? Ziv shlamim. You assume, ultimately, again, if you find meat in Yerushalayim, you assume that it's shlamim. Now we'll say now, in all of these cases, when you find meat, zev vizet to ubar tsuraso, Ultimately, again, you can't consume it. You can't consume it. Now, we'll discuss why you can't consume it. Bipashtos, uh, again, I'll just tell you, you can't consume it because once you have hesachadas, once you have a lapse of awareness, ultimately, again, regarding karbonos, they are no longer fit for consumption. So remember, anytime you, quote, unquote, find something, what does that by definition mean? Right, that somebody wasn't paying attention to something, right, or somebody just let it out of their sight. So once there's a lapse of awareness, once there's a lapse of awareness, you can't eat it anyway. <coughs> so what happens to ubar tsura? So you have to let its form change. Between you let it sit overnight, and ultimately again you take it out to go ahead and burn it. You burn it to base which I will say again, so much muster in all of this. Do you know what happens ultimately when there's hasachadas? Right? When you lose your awareness, right? When there's a lapse of awareness, when you forget what you're supposed to be doing in life, when I forget which direction I'm supposed to be going down, when I forget my goals, my aspirations, right? I end up destroying things. Life is all about attentiveness. Yesterday we spoke about commitment, right? We spoke about consistency. Well, the next most important thing is 
is constant commitment and awareness, right? An awareness of things. Hesachadas is the greatest Yetzirah. It is so easy to lose my way. It is so easy to lose my concentration. And the moment that happens, everything falls apart, right? I had a day I wanted to accomplish. I had a schedule. And then what happens? I liked someone's Facebook post and it's downhill from there. Why? Because suddenly, again, every other piece of human dribble, right, fills my day, fills my day, and then suddenly, again, everything I wanted to, that's Hesachadas, I'm say. You go ahead, and you get onto, and this is not a technology rant, right? It, it's just a life rant, right? If you go ahead, and you start liking, you start posting, you start gramming, you start tweeting, you start this, you start that, and you're, it's Hesachadas. It's Hesachadas, what are you doing? What are you doing? There are things to accomplish. There are things to do. There's a person I have to be. There's gemaras I have to learn. There's chesed I have to do. There are all these things I have to accomplish. And this hesachadas, just for a few moments, we know this because we live this, a whole day, a whole day could be shot to pieces. Why? Because it was Masiach Daiti. Because I stopped paying attention even just for a few moments. The Gemara goes right there. Nimtza Bigvulin. If you go ahead, it's okay, it's okay. If you go ahead and you find it, Thank you. Nimsa Bigvulin. If you go ahead and you find meat in the Gvulin, means the outlying areas. So Evarim Nevelos, the Evarim will ultimately be Nevelos. And again, I will say, remember, Gvulin assumes outside of Yerushalayim. You go ahead and you find meat. You find a piece of meat outside on Seven Mile Lane. So what, what's, what's the halacha? It's, it's in Nevelos. So the Gimar says, Mutaros. Interestingly enough, but if you find cut pieces of meat, it's mutter. Now, I'll say, before you get excited about this, cut pieces of meat where? Cut, so the, everybody explains that this is dafka in a place where rov tabache Yisrael. The majority of butchers in town are Jewish. Are Jewish. So if you live in, in a town where the majority of butchers are Jewish, then halachalamaisa, you could assume that the meat is kosher. Good. Amadeis. Ubishas haregel. And I will say this last line is a little bit cryptic. At a time of the regal, at a time of, right, one of the regalim, Shabbos and Meruba, where there, there's a proliferation of meat, because everybody's eating meat on Yom Tiv, Af Ivarim Mutaros, even limbs found in the street are going to be mutar. Now, both say, it appears, according to most of the Mepharshim, this is incredible, that this statement is not in the Beis HaMikdash, Yerushalayim. This statement is in any Jewish community. So I'll say, in a regular Jewish community, let's say again, in this case, where the majority of butchers, Rov Tabach Yisrael, the majority of butchers are Jewish. See if you find the whole limb, you have to assume it's tray, right? It's an Avela. If you find a piece of meat, which means just a cut piece, a butchered piece, then you could assume that came from the majority of butchers, which are Jewish, and therefore it's mutter. This last line of Bosei seems, seems to be indicating that I'm not in Yerushalayim, I'm having Pesach, uh, I'm having Pesach at home. Right? In my, in my community, and in, in Baltimore, and the majority of butchers are Jewish, even when I find a limb, it's going to be mutter. Why? Because on Yom Tif, everyone eats more meat, and therefore there's a proliferation of meat. That proliferation of meat, we could assume, comes from the Jewish butchers. An incredible, incredible halacha. Says the Gemara, Lo tzricha, delo is kodesh. So the Gemara says, I don't understand. You told me that money found on the Harabayas is chulin. How could that be? Is it possible to say that money found, found in the base of Middash is not Kodesh? If you look, take a look at the Karban Aida, he says, top, top right. I don't understand. How can you tell me that money found in the Harabayas is Chulin? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you're not allowed to bring your money. So if you can't bring your money, the only money found on the Harabayas is based on Mikdash money. Isn't based on Mikdash money? Kodesh, to which the Gemara says, So lo tzurcha de lo Harabayas Kodesh, Rabbi Ba, Rabbi Ba, Rabbi Chia B'Shen, Rabbi Yochanan, Chazaka Shen HaKoyin, Motsi Min Alishka Maos, Atshu Mechalalan Ala Behema. Both say this is very interesting. Another fascinating procedural idea. The coin only takes out money, or I should say before the coin takes, before he removes it from the Lishka, He's already deconsecrated the money on the animal. So I'll say it's actually very interesting. So before the coin even, so he, apparently he goes into the lishka, he takes it out, and even before he goes in and takes it out from the lishka, halacha lamaisa, he's deconsecrated it, which is actually, so by the time the money comes out from the lishka, it's already chulin. See, interestingly enough, the only money you're going to really find on the harabayis is based on mikdash money, which has been deconsecrated. Incredible. Basr shenimsa. So let's talk a little bit about this meat that was found. Rabbi Lezer Rabbi Oshia, his seal das, 
Taun Ibertsra. So also remember again, we said before that even though under certain circumstances, you could assume that the meat that you found, the sacrificial meat, it's not the pshat that you could eat it. You still have to go ahead and burn it. And why is that? Because since there was hesachada, since there was a lapse of awareness, therefore tuba tzrasa. Tuba tzrasa was, you have to let its form change, which means you let it sit overnight and then you burn it. Amra Boshia, mas nisin amra kein tuba tzrasa v'yesi v'besa shreifa. Amra Boshi, v'yeos lo'ochlo in at yochol, shema niskalkel tzrasa. So I will say, interestingly enough, what really what the Gemara is saying is as follows. Even if I could say that the Chazoka is, like the cases in the Mishnah, that the meat that I found in Harabayis, or for that matter, even in Yerushalayim, was sacrificial meat. Therefore, it's permitted. It's permitted. And let's say it's a Shlomim, so it's permitted for consumption. Chatos, permitted for consumption, you still can't eat it. Why? Because I will say, like we said before, once there's Hesachadas, if you find something, that means someone wasn't with it. Someone wasn't paying attention to it. Once there's Hesachadas, you no longer know what happened to it. Once you no longer know what happened to it, you can't eat it. So therefore, the only thing you can do is leave it until the next morning, lino. Therefore, you know for sure it becomes disqualified and then take it out to be burned. Incredible. Rav Krispa, Bashin Rabbi Yos, also what's great about Yerushalmi is you hear about people that you don't hear about in Bavli, which is really just fascinating. Rabbi Krispa, Bashin Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Chanina, Evarim Nevelos. So I will say, so remember again, we said before that when we find limbs, Right? When we find limbs outside of Yerushalayim, we assume them to be nevelos. Right? You find the whole limb of an animal in the outside, outside of Yerushalayim, you assume it to be a nevelo. So, lokin alav mishum nevelo. And if you eat it, you're a chayiv, you get malchus because of nevelo. Good. Masnisin amrakein. And yes, the Mishnah in fact says this. Evari nevelos vechatichos mutaros. If you find, so remember again, you live in a city where the majority of butchers are Jewish. If you find a whole limb, you have to assume it's a nevelo. But if you find sliced pieces of meat, you could assume ultimately that it's mutter, that it's kosher. So the same way chatichos mutaros lo mamish. So I will say, when we say the chatichos are mutter, doesn't that literally mean that you could eat the pieces of meat? And the same way that we literally mean that just like the chatichos are mutter, the slices of meat are mutter, because we assume the chazok is they came from a kosher butcher, so too the nevela is mamish asra because of nevela. And if you eat it, you're going to get the milk, it's for eating nevela. Rav Krispa, Rav Rav Yossi, Rav Yichanina, im hayu meruchazos mutaros. I will say it's very interesting. Rav Krispa adds in one thing, if the, if the limbs were strung together, so I will say, if the limbs were strung together, then it's motor. And I will say, now what does this mean? If you take a look at the Tiklin Chadatim, on the left-hand side, we'll have to stop with this. He says, Mechurazos mutaros, kshuros bechut. If you find limbs of an animal that are tied together with a string, it's mutter. Why is it mutter? This is actually very interesting. So generally, generally people don't string limbs of nevelos together. If you find limbs of an animal strung together, what does that, what does that, what does that indicate? That is a premeditated act. If it was a premeditated act, Kavana, that means somebody wanted these limbs. So Bipashos, that came from the butcher, did not come from the Nevela. So therefore, I will say just an interesting, an interesting qualification of Christmas says that even though we normally assume that a limb of an animal that is found is in Nevela, and therefore, again, cannot be consumed, and if you consume it, you get Malchus, if you see some level of premeditated preparation of these limbs in a city where the majority are, of butchers are Jewish butchers, are kosher, then you could assume those limbs come from kosher animals and they would be permitted. Right, so we'll stop over here. We'll, we'll say tomorrow we have an incredible, incredible sugya of Tesha Chanuyos, incredible Chazoka sugyas, Emirat Sashem to be continued. Shkoyach.